your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, looking this morning at verses 1 through 11. Hear God's word. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are, are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However... You're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of, the sin, because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. What an exciting passage. Uh, I'm going to spend at least five weeks on Romans 8, Lord willing, uh, because of the depth of it here. And I want us to really focus. I want to dwell down deep on what it means to live without condemnation. Obviously, verse 1 of this passage starts off, there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Any of you who have um, uh, raised a four-year-old you know what it's like to receive an endless supply of questions. Why? You know, and I love that time of life. I love the hunger and thirst from kids. Why do the cars around us go faster than our car? You know, why is the moon always following us? Why does it have to rain? Why can't it be sunny all the time? Why is daddy growing a beard under his arms? You know, <laughs> there's just all kinds of questions that are exciting and it challenges the parent uh, with, you know, good theological answers. Well, one question I think it takes us an enormous amount of time to get around to as believers. I don't know why it takes us so long to get around to it. But the question is, why is there no condemnation for us in Christ Jesus? It's a serious question. And it seems that we don't hunger and thirst for it enough. It's so important to God that He gives us, in this, these few verses I've just read, He gives us five answers why is it that there is no condemnation for us in Christ? I want you to look at the text again with me and, and notice the answers that start to emerge from the text. Notice the word for or the word because. If you ask the question, why, somebody says, well, because or for this reason. 
Verse 2 begins with for, the law of the Spirit. Verse 3, for, what a law could not do. Uh, verse 5, for, those who are according to the flesh. Verse 6, for, uh, the mind set on uh, the Spirit flesh. Uh, verse 7, it comes up again. Um, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile to God. And you get down to verse 10 and you've got because mentioned two more times. And what God is doing is saying, there is now no more condemnation for those of us in Christ Jesus. And let me tell you why. You should be asking me why, and I'll tell you why. And he mentions, there are two laws. There are two walks. There are two mindsets. There's two powers. There's two eternal destinies. And you are on the right side of all five of them. And because of that, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to think about that. What does it mean to not have condemnation? It's legal jargon to not be condemned. It means to have no penalty. To have no debt. To have no charges of any kind against you. I don't know about you, but I think we don't ask the question because we fear the answer. And we fear the answer because we know we are so dreadful we know we are so full of sin that we can't really fathom how it is that God's grace could be that rich and we could, would live an existence out from under condemnation. I mean, quite frankly, just stop and think about it, that, the, the logic of it. We know when we die, God has a standard. God's standard is His law. It's His word. It's summarized in the Ten Commandments. So you just think about standing before a judge and just the summary of his law is going to be put before you as a witness against you. First commandment, first law, have no other gods before me. There's one God. You, know, you stop and you think about that. You know, have I spent every moment of my life with no other gods? Have I only worshipped the one true God? If I have not only worshipped the one true God, then I'm condemned and going to hell. Second law, have I made any idols? Have I invented any images of God? Have I bowed down and worshipped anything other than God again? Or invented it in my way, that that's the right way to go? Then I'm condemned and go to hell. Third law, have I taken God's name in vain? Have I treated God's name with disrespect? Or have I used disrespectful words as his ambassador? Then I'm condemned and go to hell. Fourth command, have I remembered every Sabbath day? Have I set it apart and said, Lord, this day is your day. It's a consecrated day because I've set it apart. You're holy and this day is yours and yours alone. If I've not done that, then I'm condemned. And go to hell. Have I honored my parents? If not, I'm condemned. And go to hell. Sixth commandment. Have I committed murder by aborting life? So sad. 40, over 43 million babies were aborted worldwide last year. Disregard for God's creation of life. Have we murdered through aborting life? Have we murdered even through our anger against others? God says, well, then you're condemned and going to hell. Seventh commandment. Have 
We lusted after someone other than our spouse and committed adultery, fornication. Are we addicted to pornography? Then we're condemned and going to hell. Eighth commandment, have we stolen or do we respect people's private stuff? Ninth commandment, do, do we lie against our neighbor, condemned and going to hell? Tenth commandment, do we covet anything our neighbor has, his spouse, his car, his job, his stuff? God says, well, then you're condemned and going to hell. And yet God says in Romans 8, verse 1, you who are clearly condemned and going to hell, there is now no condemnation because you're in Christ Jesus. And we say, how can it be? How can it be? How could it be that good? I know I'm a sinner. I know I fall woefully short of the glory of God. How can I possibly have no condemnation? Do you really believe it? And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. Yes, I believe it for five reasons. Because there's two laws. There's two walks. There's two mindsets. There's two powers. And there's two eternal destinies. God said, I want you to believe with all of your being that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Let's look at it one by one. First of all, there are two laws. Look at verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. There's two laws. And if you're in Christ Jesus, you're set free from the law that's condemning you. You have freedom out from underneath that condemnation. So wonderful. Well, maybe a little uh, definition is in order. Uh, what is the law of sin and death? Well, I'm not going to take the time because I know I'm going to run out. Um, 1 John 3 verse 4 says, sin is lawlessness. You can look it up. Sin is lawlessness. So what is the definition of sin? Anytime we break God's law, you have sin. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. So what is death? That's the consequences of us sinning. What then is the law of sin and death? The law of sin and death is simply that principle that if we sin, the consequences are death. We are condemned and go to hell. And we live under that. We're born under the law of sin and death. But God says there's another law. It's the law of the spirit of life that sets you free from this law of sin and death. Um, if we die with this under the law of sin and death, condemned. The law of the spirit, it's the spirit of life. It's taking us out of death, out of sin, and giving us life by clearly just substituting Christ and his righteousness for ours. Um, <clears throat> think about that, that bondage for a minute. I mean, thinking about what it, what it means to just live in such a way that I feel like it's, it's, it's my good works and it's my confession that is where the value is. Suppose I die and I, I go to uh, 
hell and I'm, I'm, I'm there and Satan says, look, if you want to go to heaven, I'm, I'm sure you do. What you've got to do is just confess your sins. Uh, here's a piece of chalk. Why don't you just write them on this chalkboard? And as you write down your sins, you climb the ladder and you keep writing sins. And when you have confessed all of your sins, you can get into heaven. And I think, okay. And so I, I get the chalk and I start writing my sins down. And I start, you know, with the, the Ten Commandments. I know what God's law is. I'm under the law of sin and death. And I, I start writing down my sins. And I get so focused on, on just the first commandment, I, I hardly ever get beyond it. That I'm supposed to live every moment of my existence giving glory to God alone. And I stop and think, you know, how does one confess every moment of their existence? Because I'm pretty sure that every moment of my existence, I have not given glory to God alone. So I've got to confess each moment. How does a finite person confess such infinite sins? Because not only are our sins great and many, they are against an infinite creator God, which gives them this infinite dimension. And so I'm, I'm writing down, trying to remember every moment of my existence and not giving glory to God and confessing it as a sin. And I write and I write and I write. And at some point, I start coming down the ladder and one of you's coming up. And they say, well, David, what, what's, what's going on here? I thought, you know, confessing our sins was going to get us to heaven. And I, and I say to you, well, I think that's right, but I'm going down for more chalk. You see, because I can never get out from under that bondage. I'm always having to confess one more sin. And if that's, if that's the law I'm under, I will never make it. Thanks be to God, there's another law. How can I be free from the law of sin and death? God says, let me give you my spirit. He's the spirit of life. It sets you free from that bondage of constantly confessing sin as though it were going to earn you heaven when it's not going to. There's not only two laws, there's two walks. See the second principle that God gives us here. We're free from condemnation because the spirit of life sets us free. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Offering for our for sin, for our sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. There's two walks. There's a walk in the flesh, and there's a walk in the spirit. The walk of the flesh is really just trying to live life as though it's up to you. Do you ever live that way? You work, you work, you work, you work, you work some more. You're so busy at work. And you're convinced that if you'll just work and work and work, that it will enable you to live the dream one day. God will be impressed. Other people will be impressed. That's the walk of the flesh. Walking as though it's all up to you. It depends on you and God accepts your work. The other walk is the walk of the Spirit. Where you are gifted Christ as a substitute, the one who's paid the penalty for sin, who's given an offering for sin to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. You know, think about what our 
good works earn us. I would love to play better golf this year. You know, that's one of my New Year resolutions, okay? That means I'm going to have to practice. Let's just suppose, though, I go out to the golf course. Par five. Second shot, I'm hitting it. I hit it onto the green, and it rolls into the hole. That's called a double eagle, an albatross. It's absolutely the best golf shot there is. I've never had one. I don't know anybody who's had one. But let's suppose I had one. Y'all would say, that's cool. It doesn't really matter to you, does it? You know, in a sense, it doesn't really matter to me. It's impressive for just a, a moment. What does it earn me? Does it, does, could I have the absolute best Good thing, whatever you want to call it. Does it really impress God? And does it really impress others? Not so much. And yet we walk that walk that I've got to do something, I've got to be good, and I've got to earn my way. And that walk, it's not going to be impressive to God at all. It's not going to ever measure up to His standard. There's another walk. And that's the walk by the Spirit. That's a, that's a walk where we are gifted the Spirit of Christ, gifted His righteousness, that we put our trust not in our works, but in Christ's works, in Christ's life, in Christ's walk, as a substitute for our walk. And in that life, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There's two laws, there's two walks, Two mindsets mentioned in this passage. Look at verse 5 and 8. For those, 5 through 8, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds, it's a mindset, on the things of the flesh, but their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. It does not subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What do you have, a fleshly mindset or a spiritual mindset? Mindset determines everything. Um, several passages of Scripture, Proverbs uh, 23 talks about, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. Or Jesus says um, in the Gospels that where your treasure is, there is your heart also. Both passages are indicating that what we think determines behavior. As we think in our heart, as we think in our mind, we think about something, that determines what we're going to do. Jesus says, if, if you've got in your heart and your mind that you treasure something, he says, that's what you're going to give to. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. You think about things first. Now, so mindset matters. Mindset's important. What it, where is your mind? Is your mind on, says the flesh, or is your mind on the spirit? I want you to think about that. Uh, a lot of people don't quite grasp this. And the spirit, what is the spirit saying to us in this text? The spirit is, is talking to us about our life in Christ. Let me give you an example. Look over at Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Colossians 3 
1 through 4. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ. So again, it's talking about life in Christ. Keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, what's it telling us to do there? Some people say, well, it's telling us to keep our mind fixed on heaven. That's not what it's saying. So when it says, keep your mind fixed on those things above, what are the things above that are in the text? In the text, he says, where Christ is, where Christ is seated, where Christ who is our life, where Christ who is united to us. In other words, keep your mind fixed on your union with Christ. If you are united with Christ, you are sitting right now with Christ in heavenly places. You are united with Christ. Keep thinking about your life in Christ. If people on earth don't do that. He says, that's what you need to do is keep thinking about your life in Christ. You're united to him and that changes everything. It will determine your behavior. If you're united to Christ, you do things differently. Great. I have people come to me sometimes and they... um, Say, David, I, I, I need to confess something. Can I come and, and talk to you? you know, I say, okay, yeah, come on. Um, so they come. I said, I need to tell somebody something. I said, okay, tell me. I, I've, I've, I've had an affair. I've committed adultery. I'm addicted to pornography. I can't escape. I, I need to tell somebody. And I said, okay, um, but that's enough. I usually cut people off and say, you don't need to tell me a lot more details. I get it. I get what, you, what the problem is. And they kind of look at me and I, I said, what I need to know here is your mindset. Now, there's a place for full repentance. I need to know that you fully repent. I need to know that you own your sin. I need to know that you turn from sin and you turn to Christ. But I said, I don't need to know the details of life in the flesh. I get that. I don't need to know all the physical details. What I need to know is your mindset. Is your mind on Christ? Have you set your mind on Christ, who is seated in heavenly places? Are you focusing on your union with Christ? Because if you are united to Christ, that's where you're headed. That's going to change everything. Because there are two mindsets. There's the mindset on the flesh. If that's where you are, you're condemned and going to hell. We've got serious business on that side. But if that's not where your mind is, your mind is on the Spirit, and the Spirit continues to uh, convict you about your union with Christ and your need for more of Christ, then you're going to grow in Christ, and it's going to be okay. And so at that point, I... I, I Tell the person, there is now for you no condemnation in Christ. So Christ doesn't condemn you, I don't condemn you. I know you just committed some horrendous sin and you wanted to confess it, but there is for you no condemnation. I said, how? I said, because there's two mindsets. And you've already confessed to me that you have the mind of Christ. 
And I can go through the rest with them too. There's also two walks and there's, there's two laws. And you begin to see why this text matters. Because we live so many times through such condemnation and we don't know how to escape it or get out of it. Uh, there are two mindsets. And the, the mindset on Christ is the mindset to set you free from condemnation. Those whose mind is on this physical earth, not union to Christ at all. They can't even please God. Can't possibly repent and be forgiven until their mind is on Christ. And that mind on Christ can only happen by gift of grace from God. Well, fourth, there are two powers. Look at verse 9 and 10, two powers. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit's alive because of righteousness. Not in the flesh. In the spirit. There are two powers. There's the power of the flesh. There's the power of the spirit. And the spirit brings goodness. And the spirit brings life. Um, Do we already have the spirit? then there's no condemnation for you. You're in Christ. Have you ever molded something in clay with kids? You know, um, some of you engineers, you may still do it as an adult. I don't know. Uh, You just have fun with clay, and you mold the clay, and you just sit it aside because the clay I'm talking about, I'm I'm sure there's different kinds, um, it, it hardens with air. So if it sits out long enough, it gets hard. It, it, it takes its final shape. You wait 24, 48 hours, whatever it is, and it's, it's there. Well, think about our life in Christ. Are you in Christ? Has the Spirit come into you? Have you been given the gift of the Spirit? The Spirit's job is to come into us and mold us into the image of Christ. And if the Spirit's there, just wait. And you're going to see the image of Christ take shape. Now, I know that's difficult for spouses and for parents, you know, to hear. It's like, don't, don't push so hard. Don't, don't worry about it. Is the Spirit of God in your husband? Is the Spirit of God in your wife? Is the Spirit of God in your children? Well, just wait. You're going to see the image of Christ. They are in the Spirit of life. There's this power in them that can't help but to be molding them into the image of Christ. They're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Be patient and watch the Spirit power work mightily in you to make you into the image of Christ. You know, <coughs> Joe was talking about tithing a minute ago. Just, it was a great illustration, too, just tasting uh, and seeing. Do, do what God says and see where it leads you. And I found this over and over uh, uh, in church with, with tithing. People come to me sometimes and say, David, how do you get your church to tithe? I said, you don't. I said, you can't twist anybody's arm and make them give money. I said, money is one of the, the toughest idols in the world to defeat, and, and we love it so. I said, people don't just give it because you ask them to or because you come with a program. I get emails uh, of programs uh, probably every other week of programs. If we do this program in the church, you folks will give more. You know, and I'm thinking, that doesn't happen. I don't see that happen. I mean, 
yeah, you might do it because somebody has a, a program and they, a plea, but you won't do it regularly and consistently. What I find over and over, and if the Spirit of God is in someone, that you grow. And you begin asking the question, how do I thank God? He died for me. He's removed condemnation from me. How do, I, how do I give back to him? It's called worship. And one of the elements of worship, praising God, thanking him, is tithes and offerings. It's an element of, it's, it's a way where we bring to God. And at some point it comes to your mind, Lord, I don't ever want to come before you empty-handed. I want to give you something. You've given me so much. I want to praise you. I want to adore you. I want to give back. At some point, people start giving. Just pray for them. And you watch the spirit of power. It's a power that destroys idols and changes hearts. So if you're not given tithes and offerings, either the spirit of life is not in you. You have a different power. You have this power of the flesh. You want to hang on to this life and everything in it. Instead of wanting to give to Christ who gives far and above what we can ever imagine. It's two powers. When you understand that, you live for the power on high. Instead of the power on earth. And it sets you free. You're no longer condemned for never measuring up. Never having enough. You're you're free from all of it. There's no worries. Spirit controls and regulates no condemnation. And then fifth, two destinies. So two laws, two walks, two mindsets, two powers, two destinies. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. It's talking about heaven. There's heaven, there's hell. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, if the spirit of resurrection is in you, you're going to be resurrected unto life as opposed to death. Because you're resurrected unto life, There's no condemnation. When we see a believer die, what do we say? Do we say they're gone? Sorry, they're gone. No. We say they're gone to Jesus. They're gone to heaven. We we believe their life is just not here. It it continues. They're in Christ. And that's what he's talking about. If, if, If the spirit, the resurrection is in you, we live eternally. And we live eternally not because... We figured out a secret. No secret remedy, no secret diet that gets us into heaven. It's Christ. Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and then giving us this spirit of resurrection so that our lives are resurrected as well. Hey, don't miss um, uh, there in verse 11, that little phrase, give life to your mortal bodies. Isn't that cool? We do not go to heaven as disembodied spirits. God gives life to our mortal bodies. We exist in heaven, body and soul. We believe in the resurrection of the body and the soul. And the Spirit takes us, which is why we'll be recognizable in heaven. We will somehow know one another because we still have an appearance that's recognizable, even though it'll be glorified without sin and without imperfection. God gives life to our mortal bodies. So cool. Um, And resurrects us with 
bodies and spirit. No reason to condemn because we are gloriously presented before God with the spirit of righteousness. Well, what's the conclusion? You've seen the five arguments. You see that they're there. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's really too good to be true. Listen, I don't make this stuff up. It's right in the text. Do you see it? There is now no condemnation. Why? Because there's two laws. And you're not under the law of sin and death. You're under the law of spirit. Why? Because there's two walks. There's this walk, physical walk of flesh, but you're not doing that walk. You're walking by the spirit. Why are you not condemned? Because there are two mindsets. And you don't have the mindset of living as though it's all up to you and this life is all there is. You have the mind of the Spirit of God. And you're not condemned because there are two powers. There's this earthly power that can't possibly stand against God. But you don't have that power. You've got the power of the Spirit living within you. That gives you power over the flesh. And there's two eternal destinies. There's someone controlling those destinies. And you have in you the one who controls it. So therefore, you are not condemned. Because you're in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It's glorious. If you are here this morning, and you have not trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior... You're on the losing end. And that can't be good. There's condemnation. And we don't want that. We say, what do I do? Trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because He gives you His Spirit. A Spirit of life. He gives you His Spirit enabling you to walk. He gives you His Spirit enabling you to think differently about your union and connection with Christ. He gives you His Spirit that empowers you to have control over the flesh. And He gives you His Spirit to carry you and your body into the glories of heaven. How glorious. Let's pray. Father, what a joy to hear the words. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We, we, we so want every child in this room to hear those words. We so want our neighbors, our friends our extended family to hear those words. We so want our spouses to hear those words. Father, let us hear that there is now no condemnation by granting to us the gift of Christ as Lord and Savior. Let us receive Him and have the right to be on the right side of all these laws and principles. Father, thank you for your truth. May we learn to live as those who are not under condemnation. For we ask this grace in Jesus' name. Amen.